and you hath quickened, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. I spoke to the adult class today. I was blessed to be able to talk to them about um, the Holy Ghost, and today we're going to in the family worship portion of our service today. We're going to speak and preach on a subject alive through the Spirit, alive through the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in this service. Your Spirit has been so evident, how you've blessed, how you've healed, how you have delivered. God, we need you to have a, a, a greater anointing on this portion of the service. Lord God, your servant, let him serve you, your will only, and let people receive it today, God, in your precious name we pray. Amen. Somebody, one more time, can you give God a little bit of praise in the house? Amen. Amen. Again, thank you for the, honoring us as being your pastor and the, the gift and the flowers. It means a lot. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, I've been so excited to get to this today to preach to you fine people. So... Let me just speak to myself for just a second, will you? All right, you're here. You're about to preach to these people you love. Be nice, be kind. And you've had a lot of good messages preached while you were gone. So don't blow this or you'll never hear the end of it from the guys ever again. All right. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he left little doubt as to the condition of men and women who were without God's spirit in their lives. He says they were spiritually dead. That is, they were dead to or completely unaware of the great power, personal blessings, and direction that is available through the Holy Ghost. In other New Testament passage, Paul described the conflict that we all face and deal with on a daily basis between the spirit and the flesh. He described it as a great battle. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Every day, your spirit and your flesh battles. It's depicted in the cartoons of old, Tom and Jerry, with that, that good little mouse and that bad little mouse or that good little cat and that bad little cat. Hit him with the baseball bat. Be kind to your friend. Eat the little mouse. Mice are friends, not food. It's that battle that we face daily. And if at any moment in time we would ever allow the flesh to take control, then we would seek those things that are only flesh gratifying. They would only be those things that are pleasing to our carnal nature and opposed to the things of God. I was thinking about this, hon. Uh, we went with some friends when we were in Indianapolis to a place called the Cake Bake, right? Fellas, you have to leave your man card at the door. Everything in that place is designed for frilly ladies. We got there, we sat down at the table, David and I, friends, my fact, my mom and dad had been friends with his mom and dad when we was, they were teenagers. And we sat down and the ladies went to the bathroom and it was just the two of us. 
And I got looking around. The tables around us. I said, Davis, David, this does not bode well for us. You have a battle between your flesh and your spirit. And when they brought that big giant piece of cake and set it down in front of me, there was a battle that the spirit was not going to win. It's a fight constantly. And Paul said that to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He went on to say that the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, we are the enemy of God, opposed to his cause, opposed to his purpose, opposed and alienated from him if we insist on being carnally minded. What do you mean by carnally minded? It means we mind and, and we do the things that our flesh desires and we're not spirit-led folks. Such condition we will be spiritually dead to God's voice and his will for our lives. The carnal man cannot understand spiritual things. I've already lost a few of you today because you're not spirit-led because the spirit of God is not residing within you. I'm going to preach it like it is today. Some of you all have already carnally slid into what you're going to do when church is over today. It's not subject, your carnal mind, it's not subject to God's laws. You don't follow the laws of God and cannot hope to help yourself spiritually because in yourself, your flesh is what's driving you. But if we are spiritually alive in Christ, then our first priority is to seek after the things of the Spirit. Jesus spoke about this important relationship between the flesh and the Spirit when he commanded, seek ye first. What? The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Oh, let's not get excited about the kingdom of God and forget about the righteousness of God. And along with the commandment came the promise, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Oh, woe is me, I, I don't have a man. Woe is me, I don't have a woman. Woe is me, I don't have any money. But Christ says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the righteousness of God. And all of that stuff will follow. Come on, my motto this year is it's God's problem, not mine. If I seek God first, everything else will follow through. It's not my issue to worry about this kind of stuff down here. That's God's problem. But for me, I've got to stay focused on him alone. Our first priority, if we're spiritually alive in Christ, is to seek after the things of the Spirit. Jesus spoke about this important relationship between the flesh and the Spirit when he commanded us to do that. What? Again, seek first the kingdom of God. The first priority of the child of God is what? Be spiritual. Seeking to obtain God's righteousness, characteristics, and attributes. Pastor, are you the kind of guy that just, you know, 
constantly is in the spirit and everything is just a spiritual thing and you know you see this hanky and you all of a sudden start preaching and, and you ain't never hung out with me then because you could have a good time and not be carnal you could laugh and cut up until you cry and not be carnal newsflash you can get crazy and not be drunk or high or in a strange bed or watching something you shouldn't be watching or doing something you shouldn't be doing. You can literally sit with somebody and just literally have a good time until you just beside yourself and not be carnal. Well, I can't have a good time if I ain't got a beer in my hand. That's just ignorant. Sorry. Not sorry. You can, well, there's just some things that's just better with that. No, there's not. There's, that, that, that means nothing. That's a crutch. That means you've got to have something to have a good time. You know what I have to have? Nothing to have a good time. Now, let me, I'm, I'm, that's not my notes. Let me preface by saying there used to be a time where I didn't have a good time just, you know, just enjoying life. But I've got to the point to where I, you know, I, I want to be such a spiritual-led person that I enjoy just my time, just me and God. You parents ought to say amen right there. If not, let me let you in on a secret. Get away from your children sometimes. Don't leave them by themselves locked in a closet. <laughs> Bishop, you got to clarify yourself nowadays. But when you learn to love yourself, you'll learn to have a good time without needing something to have a good time. I'm 50 years old now. I know I look 25. That's beside the point. But I've got a little bit more emotional in my life now than I've ever been because I begin to count the goodness of God more now than ever. All I need is just me and Jesus and I can have my own party. I don't need nobody else. Now there's nothing I'd rather do than, than spend time with my wife and go places and travel and enjoy stuff. But listen, I don't even need her. She doesn't need me. We can have a good time in the spirit. But when I'm carnal, I have to have something to make me happy. But when I'm in the spirit, I don't need anything to make me happy because God has saved my soul. He has blessed me. And because of that, I am happy. I wish I had a saved person in the house today. I wish I had somebody that's been delivered. Somebody today that's alive because of the spirit. <laughs> the Old Testament in Ezekiel 37th chapter you can go and read that first 14 verses provides a very clear and powerful illustration of the carnal condition of man in Ezekiel's vision of dry bones if you've never read the story you ought to go there Ezekiel the, the 37th chapter it's been preached on from here to there we're going to preach on it again it's interesting to note the opening verse of Ezekiel 37, that Ezekiel was carried out in the spirit of the Lord. 
it was necessary that Ezekiel be spiritually sensitive in order to have the opportunity to see the vision of God. God does not reveal himself to the carnal-oriented person. If somebody that's living like a carnal-minded person, I want to be very careful, comes to you and says, I have heard from God. Just shake your head yes. And in your head, alarms are going off. That's why we have prayer when we start church. And in the morning, the ladies have prayer. The men pray. We have prayer on Saturday. Why? Because when we come to church, we have to be spiritually minded when we come to church. Not carnally minded. We have praise and worship that we could drive out any of the spirits that are within us to get in a mindset of receiving from God. I have to be spiritually minded to receive things from God, dreams from God, visions from God, blessings from God, refilling from God, miracles from God. Those only happen when my mind is set on the spiritual. Defeated again and again. It's a dry and lonely existence. Just like the dry bones in the open valley, carnal man cannot be brought to life alone. Does not know how to live again and can't put his life back together. He's stuck in his own helplessness without the Spirit of God. But the words were spoken by Ezekiel as he passed over the dry bones and God asked the question. He said, can these bones live? I've asked the same question sometimes in church services that I've been in. Not speaking negative, but I've walked into a group of people that's struggling with things that the doctors have told them, that the financial institutions have given them, struggles between husband and wife and children. They've gone through all kinds of messes and their spirits are down and their carnality is up because of the trouble in this world. And I've asked the same question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said this, O oh Lord God, thou knowest. The ability to be delivered from our own carnality does not lie within ourselves. But in the supernatural power of God's spirit. Come on, somebody. Ezekiel responded 
by saying that it was only through God's wisdom and knowledge that the dry bones could come to life again. How you were carried to this place today, I, I don't know. What brought you here today is not the question that's being asked. The question being asked is, can your dry bones live? You feel like, well, I've lived with joy. I've lived with expectancy. I've lived with happiness. I'm here to testify to you today. You don't even know. You don't. You don't know what happiness is yet. Because the only happiness you've ever found is in the carnal nature of man. You don't even know. What do you mean, preacher? You've never felt joy but through anything but of this world. But when the Spirit begins to speak to your dry bones, when the Spirit begins to get a hold of you, you're here today and you don't understand. Man, it must got the air conditioning set real low because I'm feeling chills going up my body. That's not the air conditioner. That's the Spirit of the Lord coming upon you. I don't know what's happening to me right now, but I'm smiling a little bit more than I've ever smiled before. And I'm getting a little bit, I'm getting excited like some of those folks are getting right. That's not me. I got, let me settle myself down. You don't need to settle yourself down. Just get into it. God is saying there's something more for you than you've ever experienced before in your life. You don't need anything of this world to make you complete. Let the Spirit bring you alive. God the Spirit of God commanded Ezekiel he said prophesy over those bones he said say this O ye dry bones hear the word of the Lord while it's still true that God possesses all power we're not denying that today. God possesses all knowledge and ability, no question, and can at will demonstrate that power by himself. It's noteworthy that God chose the most broken vessel possible, a man. A man that has a past. Some past has been come to light some are still hidden. Some sins are known and some are covered under the blood. Man that has failed, but yet got up. A man that's imperfect and without God is lost. And God spoke to that brokenness that was nothing more at one time than just a bunch of dry bones that the word of the Lord came to and somebody preached a message that caused within that man, that pile of broken bones, to have sinew come back and flesh come back onto those dry bones and the spirit to revive within them to where that pile of dry bones is now alive again. And he says, dry bones that are alive now, I want you to testify. 
to that valley of dry bones. And I want you to tell them where you've been. And I want you to tell them where you came from. And I want you to tell them how you got here. And I want you to tell them what it's like to live again. I want you to tell them what it's like when the master puts you back together. Tell them about how it is when the spirit of God comes within them. Tell them about the joy unspeakable. If you've not figured it out yet, I was once nothing but a pile of dry bones. But if not for God, I would not be here today. But this preacher's come to you to tell you about the goodness of what God can do. He can cause you to live again. Come on, somebody. In a moment's notice, God could have told them all and they would have got up. But God said, preach to them a simple message. Hear the word of the Lord. I've come today to preach a simple message to you. And that is you can live with the spirit of God within you. So Ezekiel did just that. He obeyed the spirit of God. He proclaimed God's message to the dry bones. Through the obedience of Ezekiel, a whole valley of dry bones was brought to life again. Not by anything that Ezekiel could do, but by the power of God within Ezekiel to speak about his testimony. Ezekiel understood what it was like. He understood what it was like. He'd heard the messages. His life was nothing without God. He was nothing more than a vessel to be used. I'm here to tell you today, if not for God, I could show you today thread upon thread that God has wove and how he has brought this man to where he is today. I could talk to you this morning about a, a, a just... A meeting that took place between two people from total opposite directions in life and how God would demonstrate a family to move from Arkansas to Indiana and how God would institute a young lady to leave Michigan to go to Indiana and a chase encounter would bring them together that would bring forth this man. I could talk to you this morning because my wife and I talked about it how, can I share just a little bit of, okay, thanks. My wife went to Chicago. She lived in Superior, Wisconsin, went to church in Duluth, Minnesota. It was just the bridge of Twin Cities. She went to, into Chicago to become a nanny, and her pastor told her, don't do it. It's not going to be good for you. And my wife's, at that time, rebellious state, her words, not mine, She went anyways. At the airport that morning before she caught the plane, out of a phone booth came a superman. It was her pastor at the time that met her at the airport. A rebellious young woman leaving, going against what he thought was better, but he met her at the airport and said, whenever you want to come home, there's a home for you. Those words never stopped resonating in my wife's ears. And for the next four weeks, she was absolutely miserable. Everything that they had promised her it would be, none of it came true. Can't go to church, it's in a bad part of town. Can't do this. And so the only way for her to get out of the contract was to be fired. Well, she was fired. 
she got home to Wisconsin from Chicago really late on a Saturday evening, not knowing a thing where life was going to take her. She already had a year of education at Wisconsin University under her belt in education and thought, that's probably what I'll do. But God was weaving a thread. and was causing a pile of dry bones to listen. She gets to church on Sunday and after church, those dreaded words from her pastor, I need to see you in my office. Pastor's a pretty imposing sized fella. She was scared to death out of reverence to him. Walked in there and he said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Now, pretty close. She said, I don't know. I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he knew. And he began to preach to her and said, you know what? Uh, your best friend that you've grown up with, Karma, is on her way to Indianapolis tomorrow morning, Monday morning, to go to a Bible college that's just started there. I think you should go. Pastor, I don't have any money. I don't have nothing. He goes, don't worry about it. I'll take care of your first semester if you'll go. God was weaving. She went home that Sunday afternoon, slept on it all night long. Her mother, who had just got her daughter home on a late Saturday night, is now stuck with maybe the fact that her daughter leaving. She got up Monday morning and called and said, I'll go. She went to Indiana Bible College. The rest of it's history. There was a chance encounter at a minister, I'm getting somewhere, at a minister's meeting in, in Windfall, Indiana when Pastor Paul Mooney and his wife Mickey Mooney just happened to be there to reverence the pastor in the church that she grew up in. And we happened to be there and uh, the group that we were with, I was playing the bass and we were singing and playing the bass and he said, you know what, we got a Bible school started, why don't you come? Oh man, I was a young, immature 17-year-old. He had no idea what he was getting himself into. Mom and dad said, you ought to go. My pastor said, you ought to go. We'll, we'll help you the first semester. You think about that. The Lord was weaving. And it was there that she fell madly in love with me at first sight. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I, I, I think, and we were talking about this, this is the reason I'm preaching this morning about this, we were talking about it crying in the car, praising God. What would have happened if our carnally driven minds would have said, I have no desire for that. I'd rather go to Wisconsin and finish out my degree. I'd rather just stay home and work than do that. What would have happened if we would have not listened to, to preachers who said, this is what you should do? The tapestry that is now our lives and our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and people that we have witnessed and preached to would have never been weaved. At one time, we had made a decision. Now, are you saying, Pastor, that all the decisions in your life have been spiritually led? Have we at times had some of the tapestry frayed and we've had to go back and mend? Yes. We at times have things become unwoven? Yes. But through it all, the constant has always been going back to where we knew where once life began. And that was at an altar, getting in the mindset of God. See, I was raised in a pastor's home. 
But unbeknownst to my parents, and they still, they say, you used to talk about this. We don't know what you're talking about. And you won't either. Never, and I've never, never one time have I ever told this church that I lived a perfect life. Never. I've tasted of things that I wish I would have never tasted of in this world. But through the, through the whole thing, the tapestry never came unraveled. Because even when I got in my carnal mind, I began to see myself not living life like I should. It was God's masterful weaving potter's hands that would begin to put me back together again. If I live a carnal life, I'll die a carnal life and forever long will live in carnality. If I can just follow and listen and hear the preached words that says yes, he's done to so many others. And that is breathe life into you. But I've lived a whole lot of years on my own doing so many things. God has a way of starting off that tapestry. I'm, I'm 55, 60, 65 years of age and there's no way that God you place yourself on the potter's wheel. That's what, that's what the writers, the prophets said. He is the potter. I'm just the clay. Amen. Amen. God can begin to weave. Somebody, ooh, I feel the Lord in the house this morning. To weave a beautiful story into your life. That story of mine, and I'm a person talking about me, didn't end with just me. The Lord blessed my wife and I with three Gorgeous, talented, beautiful children. And God began to weave into their life this tapestry. I've never one time ever tried to tell you their stories, but they've not all been perfect. Pastors, children, they're, they're people. They begin to have their own story to begin weaved and told and come about. Now I have a grandson. I have two son-in-laws who I adore. And I'm hoping that God, they can begin to see what God is doing in their life. And it had not been for choices. Where would they be at today? Simply her pastor not going to the airport. Why would he do that to a rebellious person who said, I don't care what you say. Yet, he was there. If he had not followed the voice of God to leave southern Ohio with a, with a tremendous business making lucrative money just like our bishop did to go to the whole north of Duluth, where would I be today? One decision can change the course of your life for the good or for the bad. The scales of eternity can literally be decided upon the weight that you place on one side or the other. The carnal man can make a decision that would cause the scales to tip in the wrong direction and you live a life that God never intended for you to live. Why? Some of you all have lived with life that have left you with permanent scars mentally and physically and spiritually. Things that you've gone through that's unfathomable that you've never shared with anyone simply because you tipped the scales more towards the carnal than the spiritual. And you have forever had to live with those decisions. 
But I believe it was the Lord our God Almighty that said, give me your burdens. And you begin to take the weight off of those carnal decisions and lay it upon his shoulders. One at a time. And the scale began to tip. And life began to open up like never. Some great principles of truth. One such saying is, practice what you preach. Actions speak louder than words. Sometimes those sayings are sometimes very humorous, but they're right to the point. Scripture is not without its pointed truths, especially one found in Paul's writing, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Practice what you preach. After we've been renewed in the Spirit and made alive again through the grace and the power of God, then we must not continue to walk after our flesh. Well, preacher, that's all good and said. I'm a Christian. But what orders your steps? I am a follower of Christ. But then what orders your steps? I am a king, a king's kid. But what orders your steps? Do carnality, decisions, carnal decisions, do that, is that what lights your path? Or do the spiritual things of God direct you on where to go? For as many are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Romans 8 and 14. One of the most dangerous and damaging conditions that can invade the saint of God is for each individual or group to be professing saints rather than possessing saints. Does anybody else feel that anointing in this house this morning or is it just me? It's, I, I'm not being facetious, I'm being serious. There's something special here right now. This ain't the, the time to be living to be professing things. This is time to be possessing some things. Anybody can say, I am a child of God. But what's ordering your steps to say such? Whether than just professing it with your carnal mouth, what might be in your life, you need to possess the things of God. It's one thing to say, I am saved. It's another to know it. It's one thing to say a prayer and say, okay, everything's good. It's another thing to possess salvation and to know without a shadow of a doubt, I am saved. There's a difference. There's a difference in lip service because your lips, the same mouth that'll say I'm a Christian, will also lie and gossip. It'll slander. It, it'll do you no good to have salvation through your lip service. But possessing the power of God, the Spirit of God, now that's where salvation is. God did not come to this earth that we could simply just talk about Him. God came to this earth that we could have a relationship with Him. We need to have more relationship-driven lives than we do professing to be Christians. You want to know what professing means? Professing is when I meet you, I'm going to put on my best Christian attitude. But when I leave you, it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Laughing because you all know what I'm talking about. 
living for God the best that you can on a Sunday, but get me on a Friday night and you won't know the difference between me and any one of those other sinners out there. That's called professing, professing Christianity. But when you have been born again of the water and the spirit, it's no more just professing what you are. You've possessed what you are. It's one thing to say, I know God. But when God is living within you and he's, come on, in order in your steps, there's something different about that. I don't need to just be professing what I am. I need to be living what I am this morning. Stand with me. I'm done. I've held you too long. Y'all can come on up because what I'm about to do, I don't need any more distractions. So musicians, come on. There has to be a distinction between the holy and profane clean and the unclean because shallow spiritual experiences can only yield shallow spiritual understanding Matthew tells us in the 22nd chapter in verse 32 he says God is not the God of the dead but the living the child of God has been purged from dead works through repentance and forgiveness of sin but I can't be alive again until I am resurrected from who I was into what God wants me to be. I can't say and profess with my mouth that God forgive me until I know that I am forgiven. Well, God, with God, I, everything, no, 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 no. I have to know that I am forgiven. So when I kill off the old man, I, I must be baptized in water, in immersion, the way the scripture teaches it. In the name of Jesus, not in Mr., friend, and father, but in the name of Jesus, because then I know my sins are forgiven. But I'm buried. I don't come up out of the water alive. I'm buried in Jesus' name. God is not the God of the dead. Well, pastor, a long time ago, I was in a church and they baptized me in the name of Jesus. That's great. Wonderful. Thankful. I still rejoice every time somebody's baptized, but God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Peter went on in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after he talked about death and burial, he talked about the living. And he talked about, I have to be alive in God. Where did he say that at when he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? <gasps> that Holy Ghost stuff. Come on now. If it was wrong, it would have died in the book of, in the, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, but it did not die there. John, the Baptist disciples came. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost and they knew it. Those Jews in the upper room where it first came out because they heard them just the same way, speak in tongues the way they did. Alive in the Spirit. We could go on, Cornelius, we could go on. It's multiple times that it happened where they became alive in the Spirit. God is not the God of just those that are baptized. 
which I don't deny and I don't deflate and I don't put baptism down. But we can't stop just halfway and expect God to do the rest. We have to seek Him. Our steps have got to be ordered and they're ordered that God can have a full relationship with you. And the only way for that to happen is because for us to become alive in the Spirit and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to you today that have never been filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm also talking to the saint of God that's let that part of your life slip. I don't care how much money you make, how busy you are at your job. I don't care you're focusing on your marriage or your kids or your education. If you don't take time to get into the Spirit and get filled, you will live a dead life. Everything else will take precedent and church and God and your relationship will come secondary. Oh, preacher, you're just saying everything because, you know, this is all you've got. This is all there is. Nuh-uh. It's all there is because it's what's important first. Seek ye first. I got about half of you that believe that. Seek ye first. Well, I, I got I to gotta work to get food on my table. You got to seek the first the kingdom of God. See, you're worried about things that you really don't have control over. What you ought to be worried about is what you have control over. And that's living a life like you've never lived before. God didn't come just to get food on your table, clothes on your back. God came to give you life and life like you've never lived before. He wants you to live with a joy that is just unspeakable something's different about you I can't even explain it I went to church this guy began to preach I just let myself go and God filled me and I can't explain it but man I feel good today spirit is what I need what do I need to do preacher what you need to do Seek God. Well, how will I know when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me? It's a good question. Because I don't want to be faked. I don't like to be fooled. I don't like magic shows. Because they're all fake. Illusions. They try to trick me to go, wasn't that awesome? No, it wasn't. You're a liar. That bunny didn't come out of your hat. You had that bunny in your hat. You didn't cut that person in half. She was just short. I didn't go to church to be faked out. So God said when you're filled with the Spirit, He will do something within you to let you know I'm not playing games here. You see, I'm preaching today. This is life and death. For some of you today, you'll start a tapestry that you've never known how this decision that you make today My wife would have never, she could tell you today, if I give her the mic, she'd tell you that that decision in her life at that moment, in that time, at that day, if she had not listened to her pastor and went to IBC, she would probably not, well, she would not be here today, but she probably wouldn't be living a life for Christ today. It's no joke. See, some of y'all have a hard time imagining